Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. I'm really pleased that you decided to join us today because we're doing a very different class than we normally do. We're actually coming together for a group discussion where I consider all of our times that we meet as a discussion. However, today it's really going to be an interactive discussion where we all can have conversation and contribute to today's talk because this chapter 21 that's part of our first book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment, it's all about the future of our planet. It's describing the harms that we've caused through our own decision making and how by moving to this enlightened mental state or this higher consciousness that it's prudent of us to decide to also not only clean up the decisions we make in our personal life related to our relationships and things like this, but also clean up the decisions that we make as it relates to how we treat the planet. Because this planet that is here for us, it is here in order to provide us resources in order to sustain our life. And if we attain enlightenment in this lifetime and we are no longer reborn, we're going to be leaving behind a planet for other people to be able to sustain their life and potentially attain enlightenment at some point during their life. But should we not attain enlightenment in this life, we're going to end up being reborn back into the world to experience continuous results of our decisions as it relates to how we treat the planet. Now, while this aspect of treating the planet and environmental change or climate change by some is considered to be a political issue, for me, it's really not. Because as I mentioned, as beings that are interested in cultivating a higher consciousness, I feel that it's important that we also consider the decisions that we make as it relates to our planet. Because if you've been on this planet for any length of time, then you've seen a significant amount of change. So. Even though the scientists are sharing with us that there is all this climate change that is dramatically affecting our ability to sustain life on this planet. While we look at that and we can understand that, as you know, on this path to enlightenment, we don't really believe anything. We look to see the truth ourselves. So if you've been on this planet for any length of time and you've observed changes in terms of the environmental impacts that we've created as human beings, then you already know the truth, that there are things that are drastically changing as a result of our impact and our decisions to this planet. I know for me, at one time when I was a child, just in second or third grade, I could drink out of the local stream that was running through our town and our city, and I didn't live in a rural environment. I lived in a suburb of Washington, D.C., only 30 minutes outside of Washington, D.C., and at you know grade two and grade three, we could drink out of the creek that was running through our neighborhood. But I guarantee you, if I would return to that same place today, it would be impossible to drink straight out of that creek without dramatically impacting the body, maybe even potentially dying from the harm of the water that's in there based on the decisions that we've made in terms of polluting the water. There's other things that I know that I did growing up as a young person without understanding of how our decisions impact the world. I know that when I was taught to change the oil in my car, I was taught to drain out the oil and then just dump it in the woods. And that's what we did. We also as we drove down the street as, you know, six-year-old, eight-year-old, 10-year-old, we were taught that, you know, when we were eating something, if we had trash, just throw it out the window. But, you know, then as, you know, we aged, you know, becoming 12, 14, 16 years old, information started to come about that we started to learn that these decisions that we were making in the past 
weren't wise and that they were starting to impact the planet in negative ways. And we started seeing more efforts of people not littering. And there were laws that were created. At one time, there weren't any laws about littering, but they started creating laws about littering. We started seeing people kind of adopt highways and stretches of roads and started to clean up the damage that we caused in our prior decisions. We started cleaning up our comma, essentially. And now we all kind of know that when we're driving down the road, we absolutely don't throw trash out the window that that would be very unwise because as human beings we've been gradually evolving in our decision making about various things and the way that we interact and the way that we conduct ourselves on this planet and one of the things that we really need to evolve is to understand how we can make individual decisions and those individual decisions can be either helpful and harmless or they can be uh, damaging and harmful as it relates to the future of this planet and the well-being of this planet. So I would think that anybody who's interested in cleaning up their own mind, cleaning up their life, learning how to cultivate a higher consciousness would be very interested in ensuring that we have a planet that is well cared for and that is able to sustain life for ourselves, for our relatives, for our friends, for our family, and anybody that we involve in our life. And then also after our life, we're leaving behind a planet that needs to be able to sustain life for our children and our grandchildren and other people who are going to continue to exist here on this earth. So in this chapter, I didn't really describe what is the future of our planet because it's literally impossible for any one person to decide and determine what the future of our planet is because it's a really a collection of multiple, countless individual decisions that we make on a daily basis. Our individual decisions impact the way that the earth goes forward and the planet goes forward. And while we may not be in a position of being a prime minister or a president of a country, we might not be a king or a queen, we might not be in an influential position, perhaps in a large company that's making enormous decisions about how they dispose of certain products and things that they're using. We are individuals who are making decisions daily about how we do things, about things that we eat, uh, trash, things that we purchase, all of these individual decisions produce certain results. And while we don't need to have a collective way of doing things and everyone agree to it, there are multiple, multiple ideas out there and things that we can be doing and things that you probably are already doing that are very helpful to the planet. And what I would like to do in today's discussion is open up to all of you guys to share thoughts and ideas and opinions of things that you're doing already in your life or things that you used to do in the past that you have chosen to no longer do. You're making these decisions as a conscious human being in order to have a minimal impact to the planet because there's multiple things that we can do. Sometimes there's things that we need to do on a daily basis in terms of choices that we make about products we purchase. There might even be things that we can kind of do and we can set up and then we just put it in place and it actually helps long-term. When I was in America, one of the things that I discovered is that the toilets have a large amount of water and that amount of water isn't really needed in order to truly flush the toilet. So I took a plastic half gallon milk container that I happened to have at the time, filled it up with rocks and put it in the back of a toilet in order to take up some of the volume so that when the water refilled the back of the tank, it didn't use as much water any longer. So then when I pressed flush, there wasn't as much water coming into the toilet. So I set it up one time and from there forward, there's a half a gallon of water being saved every single time the toilet's being flushed. Here in Thailand, we have toilets with multiple switches and multiple buttons on them. There's one button for just a little bit of water and there's another button for a larger amount of water. And more and more human beings are starting to create products like this. We understand that our daily decisions and what we choose to involve in our life, whether it's our lighting and how we use electricity, whether it's the trash that we create, whether we choose to eat all of our food or not at the end of a meal, all of these decisions impact the earth. 
because when I was doing research for this chapter and I started looking around about what is a common theme that a lot of different sources are saying would be the one thing that we could all do as an individual in order to have a dramatic effect on the health of the planet, what I saw across multiple sources is that people agree that the one thing that we can all do, it's actually quite simple, is just eat all of our food. When we purchase food is eat it, whether it's at a restaurant or whether it's at home, because the research shows that about 40% of all food goes to waste, 40%. And it's not just that we're wasting food, it's that in order to produce food, there's a certain amount of time, effort, energy, and resources that go into planting things in terms of the gasoline, in terms of the labor and cost to actually plant food. Then there's the growing of the food. There's the harvesting of the food. There's the preparing of the food, the packaging of the food, the transporting it to the store. Then the store puts it on the shelves. We purchase it from the store. We then transport it back home. We do something with it at home. And then we decide to either eat it or not. And there's all this chain of events that happen from the time that food is actually planted until the time that's ingested that countless resources are being used in this whole chain and sequence of events. And we're essentially wasting 40% of that. 40% of the resources that is going into producing food gets wasted. So therefore, at the end of our meal, if we either have a way to preserve the food and eat it later, or maybe just not take as much food each time that we choose to eat, we can actually have a dramatic effect on the planet. And the people that I looked at, the different resources, they were sharing how just by eating the vast majority of our food, that it's like taking millions and millions and millions of cars off the road. I don't even remember the number. It was an enormous number of saving and contribution to the health of our planet that by just eating our food. So if you got to the end of this chapter and you saw the picture of just a whole bunch of plates that were empty with no food on them, and you're like, why did David put this picture of just a bunch of empty plates at the end of a chapter and there's nothing on them? Well, the reason why is I think that that picture is absolutely beautiful. To see a meal that has been eaten and all the food's gone and nothing is wasted whatsoever is the number one thing that we can actually do according to all the different resources and by looking at this yourself, independently verifying it, that you can see, yeah, there's an enormous amount of effort and resources that goes into producing food and we're wasting 40% of that. So that's the number one thing, the most beautiful thing that I could see was a picture of empty plates. The second thing that I saw common across all sources is that they said the second number one thing that we can be doing on the planet as individual human beings and the choices we make impact the planet is that if we switch to an all plant-based food supply because by choosing to eat other foods particularly foods that are produced by animals it produces an enormous amount of waste and the same amount of land that it takes to produce something like a hundred pounds or a hundred kilos of meat can actually produce like 50,000 kilos or pounds of vegetables or something along those lines. You can find the research for yourself. My goal here today in this talk and in this chapter isn't to present to you scientific research or to convince you or prove to you that our decisions are impacting the planet. Instead, this chapter was really just to help people get thinking that the decisions that we make in these wholesome and unwholesome decisions or these wise and unwise decisions that lead to certain results in our life, decisions that we need to look at are decisions that we are impacting the planet, not only how we're impacting other people. Because as part of the Eightfold Path, we look at things like right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, for example, in terms about our thoughts, in terms of our speech and our communication, in terms of our bodily action and our livelihoods and how we live our life and sustain our life in terms of a livelihood. And all of those decisions that are part of that Eightfold Path, they are also represented in how we decide to conduct ourselves in our 
day-to-day activities. So my role as a teacher isn't to convince you that climate change is real or that we need to be more aware of the decisions that we make as it relates to our planet, but just to kind of put into your mind that you should potentially be looking at and thinking about how you interact with this planet. Just like we practice harmlessness as it relates to human beings and other animals and other beings that are on the planet, we should also look to practice harmlessness as it relates to this, the decisions that impact the planet. And what's really interesting about this is that now that we have moved into a period of time during COVID, where a lot of people were quarantined in their homes for a year or two years or what have you, we got to see what the results were when human activity becomes minimal. When we reduced our human activity on the planet by not flying as much, by not driving around as much, by not having the impacts that we had in terms of our daily activity moving about the planet, we started seeing that within a number of like three or four months, there were cities in Asia where they were known to be heavily polluted, that that pollution cleared itself out. We observed that places like Italy that have flooded cities and that they were considered to be very dirty canals, that these all cleaned themselves out and wildlife started coming into the canals like dolphins and turtles and things like this. We started seeing all these different changes because Mother Earth has the ability to heal herself when we do our part, when we make choices that are wise and wholesome, we will see that the harms that we cause to the planet are impermanent, that Mother Earth can actually repair herself. So what this class and this discussion is about is for all of us to contribute ideas and thoughts about things that we are currently doing that are meant to improve the health of the planet or things that we maybe we used to do in the past that we're choosing to no longer do because we see it as beneficial to the planet. And perhaps in our discussion today, as you share and as other people share, you might hear some ideas and some thoughts that you're like, oh, I really like that idea. Maybe I'll put a half a gallon container with rocks in it in the back of my toilet too, because that will help me save water on my water bill, but it also helps to save the planet a bit of water as well. And there's different ideas like this that I'm sure all of you have and that you're maybe practicing as part of your life. So I would like to really turn the class over to all of you and particularly the moderators. I see Bassam and Nick have joined us and perhaps we can go forward in a discussion today and just sharing different ideas and things that we hear that we feel like, oh, this is something that we can actually incorporate into our practice. Then you have the ability to do that because you're hearing some different thoughts and ideas. The way that you can share your thoughts is if you're in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and you can share your thoughts in our class today through this discussion. If you're in other parts of the world in terms of social media like Facebook or YouTube, you're welcome to put in your comments into the comment section and our moderators will see that. But for those of you guys that are in Facebook or YouTube or other places, if you would like to come into Zoom, you're welcome to do that because wherever you're seeing this, there should be the link in the password to be able to come into Zoom because that way we can just have a really nice discussion about various things that we feel would be helpful and that we're actually doing. You know, in terms of things that you share, it would be great if you shared things that you were actually doing rather than things that you heard other people talk about because things that you're actually doing and you're seeing is beneficial. Those are the things that we're actually interested to hear about. So I'll turn things over to Balsam and Nick and all of you to share your thoughts and looking forward to hear your ideas and your views and your opinions and things that you feel that you're doing that are helpful and things that you stopped doing because you realized they were harmful. And now by choosing to no longer do those things, you're benefiting the health of the planet. So I'll just go ahead and turn things over to all of you guys. Hello, teacher. I, uh, I was wondering about uh, a point which is uh, for some big problems in the, on this planet, like uh, overpopulation or a uh, global warming, is this uh, totally uh, up to our individual decisions. I mean, isn't it uh, needed for this to happen or to develop and improve for the world leaders to take decisions to resolve these problems? 
So it's important that we accept responsibility for our own decisions because all too often the way that the unenlightened mind functions is we like to blame other people for the things that are going on in the world. This is part of wrong view. And oftentimes we think that it's up to other people. It's up to somebody else to to solve this and figure this out. And we look to presidents or governmental leaders. We look to business leaders. And of course, these people have more influence in the world. They can make decisions and then tell us what to do, right? But what having a higher consciousness means and what being enlightened means is that you're not just following what other people are telling you to do, but instead you're cultivating wisdom being able to observe the truth for yourself that there's harms in the world and that it's our own individual choices. And by accepting responsibility for our own individual choices, we can choose to clean up our conduct, which is then going to benefit the health of the planet in this case on this particular topic. So rather than sit back and just wait for other people to make decisions and then tell us what to do, and then we decide, do we agree with that or not? Are we interested in doing that or not? Oh, there's a new law that says we can't litter, so therefore we won't litter. This isn't the way that an enlightened being is going to function because an enlightened being can understand this natural law of gamma and that this natural law of gamma is a much higher law than any laws of society. Rather than being waiting to be told what to do by a government who's creating human laws, which are always imperfect, instead, an enlightened being is going to understand this natural law of gamma, of cause and effect and action and results, the results of our decisions. We're going to understand that very, very clearly. And we're going to be able to understand that every single decision that we make leads to some certain outcome. And we don't need a government to tell us what to do in any given situation because if you understand the natural law of gamma it's a much higher law than the human law so therefore we're functioning at this higher consciousness if you're understanding the natural law of gamma so you can make decisions in your life based on what you're doing so rather than continuing to say in my case in the past when i was dumping oil in the forest for example as I was growing up, rather than waiting for a government to make a law and say, this is illegal for me to do this. Instead, we can kind of gradually evolve and realize like, whoa, this is very impactful. This is not wise. Let me choose to stop doing this. So there's various decisions that we make that a government isn't going to necessarily regulate or control that is going to be beneficial for the world. So another example might be something like plastic bags. We know that plastic is very harmful to the earth and it sticks around for a very long period of time and it takes a lot of chemicals to produce those. So rather than waiting for a government to outlaw plastic bags and say it's illegal to have these in our country, instead as conscious human beings and knowing that plastic is harmful for the environment, we can choose to take a reusable bag to a store and then collect up our items that we've purchased in that reusable bag. And this is a way that we can function at a higher consciousness and realizing that it's our individual choices that are impacting the things around us. And by just using a reusable bag, you'll save hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of bags in a given year, which helps to reduce the impact in the landfill. Uh, When Bailan was a child, I was looking closely at diapers because I knew this was a major pollutant in the world. And I considered cloth diapers for a really long period of time. But then there was, you know, this aspect of disposable diapers and it really provided a certain aspect to our life that in that particular time we were super busy. So what I looked at is I found the middle. And for me, the disposable diapers that were made out of oil and petroleum weren't an option this clothing and cloth diapers they were very challenging for us to be able to use with my wife and i both working although they do work for other people and some people really like those i actually found these disposable diapers that were made out of trees and that they were biodegradable and it was something like nine months and they were degraded and returned back to earth once they're at 
a particular landfill or something like that. So this is where, as conscious human beings, we don't have to wait for a government to tell us what to do. We can look at our own life and find that middle. And that's why this middle is very different for each individual person. For some people, maybe cloth diapers is the middle for them. For other people, maybe that are need a disposable diaper, maybe going to a product like what we purchased would be helpful. And this is why it's not that everybody has to go to cloth diapers or everybody has to do one particular thing or another because that would be permanence. But with a higher consciousness and with an understanding of the harmful decisions that we make harm others, thus it harms us. And by having harmless decisions, then we experience better results in the world. Now we can all find that middle for all of us. In each individual person on individual decisions, we can find that middle. That's what today's discussion I would like to conduct with you guys is, you know, tell us what your middle is on different things and what have you discovered is really working or maybe not working. Thanks, Richard. Uh, since that Jan has hand-raised, hand let's go to here. Thank you, Basham. Thank you, Teacher David. Hi, everybody. Um, we realized uh, at one point that we spend a tremendous amount of time and energy and effort to have a green grassy lawn around our house. Um, which many people where we live do, right? So people hire companies to come and fertilize and put pesticide on their lawn and um, cut the lawn and leaf blowers and, you know, all kinds of um, noise and effort. So we investigated replacing our lawn with native plants. And we've been working on this for the past, um, I'd say five years. So we basically have no lawn anymore. And instead we've cultivated all these beds of um, pollinator friendly native plants that we don't, we do have to take care of them. It's a pleasure to do it, but we're no longer having to mow the lawn and you know go through all of that effort. Um, so I, 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 I think it's not only good for our neighborhood, but it's really good for us too. It, gets us outside and it allows us to spend more time kind of just in, you know, in, in our world and not, um, you know, kind of um, spending lots of money and, and effort and so forth. Wonderful. That's a great idea, Jan. I know some people are even not only planting native species, but also like fruit trees and vegetables and things like this mm -hmm. to provide more mm -hmm. food for people. So. That's a great idea because you're saving all that gasoline, all that effort, you know, the lawn care people coming to your home and then the equipment that they use while they're actually cutting the lawn. And what's the benefit? Oh, grass is beautiful. Okay. <laughs> but native plants can be beautiful and fruit trees and vegetables can be beautiful too. So outstanding. Thank you for sharing that. Well, let's go to Marcy. Thank you, Bassam. Thank you, Teacher David. Um, so I have a lot of animals and um, I live kind of like a, we call it our compound. So there's myself and um, my landlords and we have a pretty large garden that we tend to every year. But the waste that my guinea pigs um, actually create is a very good fertilizer. So we use that as a way to fertilize our garden. And um, we have like a huge compost pile that we take like scraps from like if we, you know, peel an apple or, you know, a pineapple or scraps from like, you know, beets or whatever, anything that can be thrown into the compost, we put in the compost and also use that. Um, so, but that's basically what we do here and it's beneficial. And again, it also gets us outside. We get outside and we get to, you know, nurture our plants and stuff like that. That's it. Yeah, that's another great idea, right? Not only not wasting food, but then the products that are left over from maybe like a, an orange rind or something else that is still left behind, uh, maybe clippings off of a tomato if we're choosing not to eat, you know, certain parts of that or a certain part of a carrot, we can use that to refertilize the soil and make the soil even richer. So that's getting the most use out of all the resources that we grow and that we use on a daily basis. We can put that in leaves and other debris like that into a composter, which helps us to then grow more food or grow more plants. So that's outstanding. Thank you, Marcy. 
We have some comments on Zoom. Mana writes, Jen, love native planting here too. Marian writes, love that, Jen, we have a native plant habitat too. No, no green manicured loan for us. AWRs is our goal. Perfect. Looks like we've got Nick with a hand up as well. Yes, let's go to Nick. Thank you, boss, and thank you, teacher David. Um, I have a few ideas, uh, sir. Um, maybe you'd like to expand on this one, but going vegan would be the first one. Um, other things that we can do in Saratoga Springs, we have, uh, we're fortunate enough to have farmers markets in the summer here, uh, a few of them. So that reduces plastic, just picking up, you know, the, the fruits and vegetables right then and there, uh, compared to going to the grocery store. The grocery store uses mostly single use plastics to go get your stuff or they package it, you know, um, we'd like to order household goods from a company called Grove, which, um, reduces like they don't, they don't, they don't sell a lot of things with chemicals or their plastics that they package everything in is either plastic free or 100% recyclable. Again, that company is called Grove. Another thing that we do, uh, I just signed up to get off a national grid and instead we're going to transfer our energy to uh, instead of fossil fuels, it's going to be like s s solar power, wind power, things like that, that they put into the national grid network and actually comes to our house. So um, just different different ways to get energy. Um, I guess our middle would be we're not going to cut off electricity in the house. But, you know, instead of using fossil fuels here in New York, we have the choice to pick where do you want to get your energy from? So. Once the new solar power system is up, I believe in September, we'll be on that. And that company is called Arcadia. And that's currently what we're doing off the top of my head. Very nice, Nick. Yeah, you mentioned household goods there, right? Because we purchase and use a lot of household goods. And I noticed my wife a, a few months ago came home with this big thing of uh, plastic saran wrap from what you guys would probably consider like Costco or Price Club or something like that. We have something here called Macro. And I, I looked at it and it, it's biodegradable plastic wrap. And you can notice it's much thinner than the other stuff that we are typically used to, but it functions exactly the same. And I even use the same plastic wrap on uh, multiple things rather than just use it once and throw it away not only is the plastic wrap that we use nowadays biodegradable but you can use it on multiple things you don't have to just use it once and throw it away i will use it three four five six times on different bowls and different leftovers that i'm using so this is another way that through our decisions our conscious decisions we can choose to use less household goods and looking at things like your toilet paper and your paper towels and the cleaning supplies that you use in your home. These are individual decisions that we make. And the more that we choose to use products that are good for the environment, then that's putting financial resources into that market. And more business owners and companies who make products will take notice of that. That, wow, the you know human beings are starting to move towards more earth-friendly products and rather than continuing to make these products that are harmful to the environment, we're going to now shift the focus of our company to now manufacture and produce products that are better for the environment. So by us making choices on our level, then companies start to take notice. So going back to Bossom's question, what sometimes people do is they wait for companies to make the decision and then they make the decision or they wait for a government to make a decision and then they make the decision. But in reality, human beings who are out in the, the world like we are, we actually have a lot of power in terms of our purchasing power and where we choose to purchase things from. And by us choosing to purchase more environmentally friendly products, companies, businesses, governments will take notice. And this is where change comes from the bottom up. Oftentimes people think change is from the top down, but it can actually come from the bottom up. And this is where we can influence and incentivize companies to be more environmentally friendly by our purchasing decisions. So thanks for bringing all of those up, Nick. Yes, sir. Um, an example of the environmentally friendly, I'd, I'd like to add, 
for example, toilet paper. It doesn't have to be used from paper cutting down, you know, large redwoods. They can make things like bamboo, which can grow in a couple of weeks. Bamboo products, you know, that'd be good. Um, and also, if more and more people go to the plant-based diet, that can help the environment too. If you'd like to uh, speak upon that, sir. Yeah, I kind of mentioned that earlier. So that's that's a big component. The the research that I saw, saw there was those two things that they said, you know, across all sources that the first one is ensuring that we don't waste food or at least minimize that because there's going to be some amount of waste, of course. And then the second one is moving to a plant-based food supply. Uh, doing those two things, the experts agree that these are two very impactful things that essentially we all have the individual ability to do because going back again to Bossom's question, you know, the government can't mandate this, right? The government can't mandate that we will not waste our food. The government can't mandate that we become vegan and eat a plant-based food supply. But as individuals, we can choose to do those things, which once we understand how they're helpful to the planet and to the earth, and we're very interested in not causing harm because of the practice of right intention and practicing harmlessness, then we can make these individual choices on our own and uh, find that our individual choices are benefiting the condition of the planet. Well, as for a polluting water, I have an experience about this here. A, um, I can remember my mom or my grandmom uh, was sharing with us uh, when we were young that uh, the water of the Nile River was really pure. So I think all people used to just uh, drink directly from the uh, water there. Uh, but uh, through years, uh, people start um, locking down or degrading uh, rubbish collectors. So I think over decades, maybe, a, uh, streets were started to become full of rubbish and garbage. And uh, typically, uh, many people started to throw uh, rubbish in the water. So uh, this had a lot of bad effects on health, on uh, general health. A, uh, to, for people to start realizing that this is harmful, not just for one person, but it's harmful for all of us, uh, this took a lot of time. A, uh, some uh, a, a tries or attempts to uh, resolve this happened earlier in the last uh, maybe four, five, six years, but it just, uh, I think it will need a lot of time, much time to, uh, to see a gradual effect on this. But again, yes, I, this remembers me, reminds me of the natural law of karma. Uh, what we are doing is just uh, coming back to us. Exactly. And whatever we choose to do during this lifetime, it's going to impact us during this lifetime. It's going to impact us if we're reborn in a future existence because we're going to be coming right back into the world to experiencing uh, the effects of our decisions all over again. And it's going to affect our children, our grandchildren, our brothers, our sisters, our uh, relatives that are he still here. Uh, so we can't run and hide from our decisions. This is something that the Buddha taught 2,500 years ago, that the results of our decisions are going to be experienced either in this life, in our next rebirth, or in some subsequent occasion, which basically means some future rebirth. And if we happen to attain enlightenment in this life and are no longer reborn, then great, outstanding. But in order to get to enlightenment, we have to be wise and practice harmlessness. We have to make wholesome decisions in order to get to that enlightened mental state. And then even still, someone who's enlightened isn't going to be coming back, but they're going to have such loving kindness and compassion for all beings. They wouldn't even think about causing pollution or harm to the earth or the planet. An enlightened being isn't going to go around dumping oil in the forest like I did as a teenager growing up. You know, these are things that an enlightened being would have purged from their conduct, from their behaviors, because they see that as being harmful and they would know that as being harmful. So uh, these are all things that we need to think about as we progress to this higher consciousness is making wise, wholesome decisions related to all of our conduct, our intentions, speech, and actions. So it looks like Chris and Jan have their hand up. So I also imagine you would like to go to them next, right? 
Yes, that's exactly it. Let's go to Chris. Thank you, teacher and everyone. I, I think some really key things that we've talked about are, again, finding that middle way, like doing your best, like not letting the idea of perfection stop you from doing what you can in a particular moment, I think is super important. And in keeping with some of what Nick said, one of the things that we do is uh, crop shares. So farmers, you know, you, you kind of contract with them and then, you know, you say, I'll take this amount of whatever food that they are, they harvest individually. Um, and it depends on what, what grew and things. So it can vary, but you get whatever it is instead of going and saying, well, this didn't yield or that didn't yield, but I'm still going to go find that anyway. And, and again, so it's kind of that idea of scaling back and you help the farmers at the same time because they know that they're going to have a, like a steady stream of guaranteed income and things like that. And then another thing that we've done is I had a friend build a raised planter box for me so that even as a person with disabilities, I can, I can, the things that I couldn't get from the crop shares, I planted in my planter box. And so that then I could, you know, harvest and grow, grow and harvest that food myself. So again, you know, there are ways where you can kind of, you might not be able to do everything, but there are certainly things that you can do. And I think that's helpful. I look behind me even, and I see like there's a single red cup and I take voice lessons. So to help with my breathing and uh, so singing lessons actually. And for one of the exercises, you kind of hold the cup up to your mouth because it takes the pressure off your lungs so that, so that they can develop without really pushing too hard and things like that. But I use the same cup, so I keep using, I don't change the cup, I just use the, the one cup. And then another funnier example to me, or maybe endearing is you see some artwork on my wall. Those are pictures that my daughter made. And some of those are probably 10 or 12 years old. And that's the artwork around my house are just pictures that my daughter drew that have been there for years and years. And so they have that meaning, but also are a lot more sustainable. They just will, you know, curl up and, and biodegrade as the time goes. That's wonderful, Chris. I would like to emphasize a couple of things that you mentioned there. Some really good points is that, you know, sometimes the mind wants everything to be perfect and we crave that perfection. We desire that perfection. Uh, the mind is longing and yearning for this. And we think that, okay, there has to be this big grand plan. And then once there's a grand plan, okay, we'll agree to it and do it. But one of the things that you mentioned is, you know, not expecting perfection. It's just like slowly but surely, gradually learning new things and then gradually implementing them into our life slowly but surely and kind of ramping up your practice. This is another thing that the Buddha taught about gradual training, gradual practice, and then there's gradual progress. Rather than having to commit to a hundred different things that we need to do today in order to help to reduce our impact to the planet. Instead, we can gradually learn new things each day. And that's part of what this class is about, is learning some different things from other people that we might choose to incorporate into our life. And then that helps us to then gain more wisdom. And now we improve and refine our practice about how we're impacting the earth through our decisions and the choices that we make. The other thing that Chris mentioned was about using the same cup multiple times for his uh, singing lessons. This is something that we also do here at home. When we have a glass, you know, when we get a glass of water and we drink a glass of water, I don't put it in the sink right away. I probably use that same glass maybe 10, 12 times before we actually wash it 
because then we don't have to use as much water in order to keep things clean. I've only used it once. It doesn't have to be washed right away because there's soap and water and things like this that are being used. So I'll just keep it on the table and I'll probably use it for three, four, five, six days, maybe a week before it'll actually end up in the sink for it to be washed. And this is another way that not only can you preserve resources in terms of using the same cup like a plastic cup, but if you're using certain things that don't really get that dirty, you can actually save yourself some work. You can save yourself some money by not having to spend as much on water and soap. And you can help the planet as well. And that's one of the beauties about making wiser choices that benefit the planet and our environment is they tend to actually be better for our expenses as well. Oftentimes products, when we first got started down this path, it was a lot more expensive to purchase products in order to help the planet. So maybe like bamboo going to what Nick said, you know, maybe bamboo toilet paper or bamboo paper towels at one time were more expensive than, you know, the the standard paper towels or, or toilet paper. But that plastic wrap that I mentioned to you that my wife brought home that is biodegradable, it was enormously less expensive than the regular old plastic wrap at the store that we've all been kind of accustomed to using. So nowadays, because there's more and more money going into funding the production of products that are good for the environment and certain things that are good for the environment are actually good for our finances as well. And we can find things like that because if there's something that's drastically more expensive and your budget is really refined and really tight, that's where it wouldn't quite be the middle for you. But we can find the middle in ways like this, that maybe we're saving money on water and soap, so therefore it gives us a little bit extra money to be able to buy paper towels that maybe are made out of bamboo. And you can find these things like this in your life that I'm sure you guys can look at and figure out for yourselves. So thanks for bringing all those up, Chris. Those were all really great. Well, let's go to Jen. Yeah, thank you. Um, so something I would love to hear other people's take on is uh, brought up is clean water. Um, we have a lot of issues around our water in my community. There's um, toxic chemicals that have been detected in the water. And uh, so many people have gone to buying bottled water and getting it delivered. And there's been a noticeable increase in all of the sort of, you know, empty plastic single serve water bottles that are, you know, you see them on the side of the road now and um, you can recycle them, but it, I read that the recycling is um, actually just going to a landfill. <laughs> it's not really getting recycled. <laughs> so, um, you know, personally, we've solved our issue by buying a, like a breeder water purifier pitcher, you know, to, to get the chemicals out of the faucet water and, um, you know, using uh, like thermoses that will clean your water. But it's, you know, it's a sort of bigger issue of um, how do we deal with cleaner water, you know, and, and this, all this ex extra water bottle waste that seems to be proliferating everywhere. So if, I'd love to hear what other people um, think about that or, or suggestions and so forth. Thanks. Yeah, maybe I can start, Jan, and then other people can share their perspectives as well. Here in Thailand, we mm -hmm. don't drink water mm -hmm. from the tap. It's not something that we really do. We have filtration systems under our sink for cooking water. So we'll use tap water, but it goes through a, a really refined filtration before we use it for cooking. But all our drinking water gets delivered to us, pretty much everyone in Thailand. And they're in those big, huge reusable bottles. So here it's 20 liters. I think that's about five gallons in America. So there's different companies, I think, in America that will deliver the big reusable ones that you can then use. And then when they're empty, then the company, when they deliver the next set of bottles, they pick up the empty ones and they reuse them. So this way, there's never any waste in terms of bottles because the bottles are continuously being reused over and over again. Marcy has her hand raised. That's good to hear. Yeah, I'm not sure like other people's circumstances, but I actually located a few um, springs around my area. There's three of them around me. 
Um, so I'm hoping when the weather breaks that that's how I'm going to start refilling my jugs for water. Um, also around here, they have like um, Poland spring stations where people go and they bring their gallon jugs and they fill them up. You know, it's a, a few cents to do that. And then the other thing is the boiling of the water. You know what I mean? I mean, it's it's one way to kind of, you know, remove, we boil water to cook and stuff like that, but that's another way. But those are some of the things that um, around here that I have accessible to me. Um, so I'm not buying gallon after gallons or all the individual water bottles. Very nice. There's nothing like driving down to a spring and filling up some water and bringing it home. That's such a great thing. Let's go to Nick. I'd like to add that uh, we're fortunate enough here to go weekly to the springs in Saratoga. And if one of them shut down, there's always like a, a backup to go use. Now, if, if we didn't live in Saratoga Springs and have that uh, accessible to us, uh, my research would tell me to get like a reverse osmosis system to put under the sink. That's the best filtration you can get. It's uh, the same process that uh, if you ever had the bottled water like Essentia. So it kind of tastes like that out of your faucet. Well, on Facebook, we have a comment from uh, Miranda. She writes, just thoughts. On the topic of natural cleaners, we can purchase reusable glass spray bottles for cleaner cleaners too. And a decent cleaner can be made with 50-50 white vinegar and water. You can add an essential oil for scent. But if you have pets, Make sure the oil you choose is safe <clears throat> to use around all of them. Some like tea tree oil, if one can, if one has cats, are not safe. You can also dehydrate orange or grapefruit rinds, grind them in the blender, mix with baking soda for a good, gentle, abrasive, and degreaser for stop stove stops sinks toilets yeah this requires more wisdom right and this is what the buddha teaches is by cultivating generosity loving kindness and wisdom it leads to more wholesome decisions so not only is an enlightened being interested in cultivating wisdom about this path and that's going to lead to more wholesome results in our life and it's going to produce better outcomes for us but also, as you're doing that, as you get rid of this pollution of craving, anger, and ignorance, you can develop wisdom about things like this and how we can use natural substances like herbs and fruits and plant material in order to provide the things that we've gone to chemicals for. And in the old days, right, probably 100 years ago, uh, maybe a little bit longer, people weren't really into chemicals and the things that we're into today. It's only been in the last kind of 100 to 150 years that we've really turned to a lot of chemicals and fossil fuels and things like this. And it's really accelerated the changes of our planet and the environmental damage. And we can see that very clearly in the choices that we've made over the last 100, 150 years. But if we go back beyond that, we can see that our ancestors used a lot of this knowledge and a lot of this wisdom as it relates to plants and herbs and fruits and things like this that can be used to sustain our life, to clean the things that we need to clean, to clean our body perhaps, you know, different soaps and chemicals and things like this. So this is another area where we can grow wisdom. And that's one of the beauties about never convincing yourself that you're actually enlightened. Even when you eliminate discontentedness 100% and you see that's gone for one year, two years, three years at a time, and you know that the mind no longer experiences discontentedness. Okay, well, what's next? What else is there to learn? Because there's so much wisdom out there that we can learn the wisdom about this path to enlightenment to eradicate the three poisons and get to this enlightened mental state. But then having done that, there's so many other things that we can learn about. And this is one of those areas if somebody has an interest in learning about how we can use natural materials to clean. This is outstanding. Thanks for sharing that, Miranda. Well, it seems that these are all the experiences that we have for today, teacher. 
Okay, so this class is very different than the classes that I've taught in the past where typically you're used to hearing me share a whole bunch of things related to the Buddhist teachings and helping you and guiding you through how to independently verify those so that you can evolve your condition of your mind, you can train your mind, you can make wiser decisions in terms of how you conduct yourselves in relationships and things like this. Well, this particular topic is right in line with the Buddhist teachings. And I am absolutely sure if Gautama Buddha or any Buddha was alive today, they would be helping their students to understand how we can make wise decisions as it relates to our planet and ensuring that now that we see this harm that has been caused by us and by other people before us, we need to clean up our karma, clean up our decisions. We need to do that in our life through our daily interactions with our family and friends, our personal and professional relationships. We're improving the quality of our mind through eradicating the pollution in our mind so that we can make wiser decisions as it relates to things like our intention, speech, actions, livelihood, and other things. But along with all of that, we can also look at these harms that we've caused and clean up that too. Not just clean up what exists today, but ensure that we clean up our decision making because what's led us to where we are today is a whole bunch of individual decisions. Again, going back to Bossom's great question at the beginning of the class is, you know, it wasn't the government rules and mandates that led us to pollution of the planet. It was our own individual decisions that we didn't have the wisdom. We lack the wisdom to understand how our independent decisions were leading to harms to the planet. And now with this knowledge, with this wisdom, we can now choose to clean up the decisions that we make on a day-to-day basis and choose to do something different. Because now that we've seen the truth for ourselves, that 100, 150 years of accumulated decisions have led to harms on this planet, Now what a person with a higher consciousness, a person who's going towards enlightenment would do is look at their day-to-day decisions and see, you know, is this decision harmful or is it harmless? Because we're interested in practicing decisions that are harmless in our relationships, but also as it relates to the planet. So thank you all for this short little discussion that we've had today and for any decisions that you're making related to improving the health of our planet because by each one of us choosing to gain more wisdom and make wiser decisions then we're having less of an impact to our planet and we can kind of redirect the ship here the ship is headed for the iceberg it's going to crash into this iceberg and it's going to sink but we can correct that and we can move towards the open ocean and steer the ship towards a better way of being, a better way of life. And that's essentially what the Buddha was teaching about all of his teachings. And that should relate to the decisions that we make about our choices and the things that we use and how these things impact our planet as well. So it's very wise for us to consider that. So thank you guys for the discussion. Next week on Sunday, we're going to be in chapter 22 of the book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment. If you read this either before class or after class or before and after class, chapter 22 is titled Mental Health, A Modern Day Delusion. What it's shared in that chapter is helping you to understand things that we have come to think of as mental illness or defects of the mind or disorders are actually solvable through training the mind. Things like stress and anxiety or depression, even things like bipolar and schizophrenia, eating disorders, things like this. What you'll find is that what's really going on is that there's this misunderstanding, there's this confusion around the decisions that we're making in our individual lives. And nowadays, a large majority of the world is looking at these things and saying this is a mental illness or this is a disorder and that you know, this is a medical issue that someone has anxiety. But in reality, what I've come to understand is that this is because of an untrained mind. And when we train the mind in the Buddhist teachings, you'll see that a lot of these things that we now consider mental illness, you'll actually be able to rediscover that these things can be resolved through a training of the mind on the path to enlightenment. So I'm going to go through that in a lot of detail with you in next week's class on Sunday. But if you read the chapter beforehand and or afterwards, you'll see a lot of the details there that I don't always have 
the time to cover to the level of depth that's in the chapter. My goal in these classes are to draw out some of the main points of each one of these chapters. But the thought is, is that the students are actually reading each chapter either before and or after class to really help combine with the class in the reading material. It will really help to inform you of what the content is. And then also you'll be able to ask questions. If you've decided to read before class, you'll probably have a lot more questions and thoughts that you'd like to get help on than if you only read after class. So you might choose to consider that and you're always welcome to ask questions at any time whether it's in class or after class or posting in the Facebook group or scheduling a personal guidance, you're always welcome to reach out and get help, whether you're learning things in the materials that I'm sharing or something else. But by focusing on the resources and the materials that I share, you'll be able to come into understanding this path to enlightenment through a common vocabulary and a common way of understanding this path to enlightenment. So on Sunday, we'll be covering chapter 22, titled Mental Health, A Modern Day Delusion. And then on Wednesday, in the group learning program, we're going to be doing breathing mindfulness meditation. We come together each Wednesday to support, encourage, and motivate each other in our practice. So you're welcome to come together for the live class and or participate in the replay through the podcast, the YouTube video, or maybe in Facebook if you see the video there and you'd like to watch the video and participate in the online class through one of the social media sites. So thank you all for joining for today's class. We'll see you either next Sunday, perhaps this Wednesday, maybe both of those days. Have a really lovely rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Sabadija. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.